circle centers for Cousins, a shot, and he scores. Dylan Cousins makes it 3-0 Lethbridge. Byram going to take it coast to coast on a backhand, scores! Up to the blue line, Vandalese, the effort, tip, scores! Carson Folk is Mr. Teddy Bear! A deflection. Oh, he scores! It's over! It's over! Game 7, overtime, oh. hero! Hi, hello, and how are you doing? This is the second episode of the WHL Podcast. I'm Zach Cotter, your host and the manager of player development for the Western Hockey League. Let's get into the news and notes for the week of July 28th, 2020. 120 WHL alumni are headed to the bubble as part of the NHL's Phase 4 rosters, including Bowen Byram of the Vancouver Giants, who's with the Colorado Avalanche, and Peyton Krebs of the Winnipeg Ice, who's with the Vegas Golden Knights. The Golden Knights have the most WHL alumni among all NHL teams in the quest for the Cup with 11, followed closely by the Edmonton Oilers with 10. On Thursday, the CHL appointed an independent review panel to review current policies and practices in the league that relate to hazing, abuse, harassment and bullying, and the allegation that players do not feel comfortable reporting these behaviors that contravene these policies. WHL alumni Sheldon Kennedy, one of the three individuals appointed to the independent review panel, will be alongside Camille Theriot and Danielle Sauvage. The independent review panel is expected to complete its report on CHL policies prior to the start of the 2021 season. The Kelowna Rockets have signed their second round pick from the 2020 WHL Bantam Draft, defenseman Caden Price. Price, who was selected 30th overall, spent last season with the Saskatoon Generals of the Saskatchewan Bantam AA League, posting 31 goals, 24 assists for 55 points in 31 games. The Prince Albert Raiders have signed 2020 CHL import selection Vladislav Shyla. The 2003-born Belarusian forward was chosen in the first round 45th overall and recorded 19 points in 55 games for Belarus U18. And lastly, former Prince George Cougar captain Josh Mazur has signed a one-year deal with the Iowa Wild. Mazur recorded 143 points in 218 WHL games. If you're looking to stay up to date on all things WHL, check out whl.ca and our Twitter handle, at the WHL. Well, I got news for you, Albert. That's your real name. Show's not over. Our first conversation is with one of the top defensemen in the NHL and a former Portland Winterhawk. That is Seth Jones of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Lauren Zandi had the opportunity to chat with him earlier this week. And here come the Winterhawks. Leipzig. Coming in with Seth Jones and Seth Jones pinches into the play. And that's what the hype's all about. Jones ties it for Portland. Play this puck. My name is Lauren Zandi, Marketing Coordinator for the Western Hockey League, and I'm pleased to be joined by Columbus Blue Jackets defenseman Seth Jones, a WHL champion and former member of the Portland Winterhawks. Welcome, Seth. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy week, I'm sure, to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, so let's talk about training camp and return to play. How do you feel after almost two weeks back on the ice? Oh, it feels great. It feels great to be back with the guys and getting back in game shape and back in game mode. And it's a little bit different from a normal training camp since you don't have, you know, you know six, eight preseason games, you know, a bunch of games to get ready for a playoff mode and you kind of just have to jump right into it. So it's been a little bit of a different camp for coaches and players and staff. So we're really looking forward to getting to the Hub City and, and getting, you know, to playing and being competitive there. And what's the atmosphere between you and the guys and you the coaches? You said it's a little bit different, but what's the atmosphere like at training camp right now? Well, usually in training camp, you know, you're, the coaches are all about conditioning and, and getting the most out of you and bagging you and, and doing all the crazy stuff yeah. that makes you extremely tired. Uh, but now, 
you know, with more of a shortened training camp and then how important games are 10 days from now, really can't really do that. So the coaches have talked to us a lot about how we feel day to day, how hard it is. Can we go harder? Do we need to go easier? Uh, so it's a learning process. I think, you know, we're not the only ones going through this. This is the yeah. whole world's going through stuff like this. So it's been a little bit of a transition, but I think, I think we'll be ready to go. And I think we're doing a good job of keeping that balance. That's excellent to hear. It's good that, you know, you're receiving that feedback between the coaches and, and the players as well. Um, so the Blue Jackets allowed only 183 goals against during the season, tied for the third best in the NHL. What do you think gave your group that success in the defensive end during the regular season? And what sort of challenges exist to maintain that type of performance in such a lengthy layoff? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, in order to, to keep, you know, to be that good defensively, it's got to be buying from every single player on your team. It can't just be, you know, it's not just the goalie. Obviously, the goalie makes big saves. It's not just the yep. defense um, saving the day, but it has to be the forwards, all five guys on the ice at once, but really all 20 guys on the team buying into that system and believing in that system and, and working for each other, blocking shots, doing all the little things that everyone always says to do defensively. Uh, and then we can take, you know, advantage of teams maybe starting to cheat from, you know, how hard we play defensively because they're not creating things or getting frustrated. And then we can turn and play offense from there. So that's kind of been our mindset. You know, it's more of a mental thing, if anything. You know, we've really talked about it during camp now. And so really, you know, we play Toronto, it's going to be a five-game series. It's completely different yeah. than a seven-game series. You could find yourself, if you go down 2-0, it's a whole lot different in a five-game series. You know, For you're sure. in deep trouble. So we're going to have to find our, our game right from the drop of the puck in game one. And aside from getting back to playing the game, what are you most excited about during the Stanley Cup qualifiers? Oh, wow. I think there's the excitement of, of getting back on the ice and competing. You know, obviously, this long layoff from all our teammates, you know, the game that we love to play, you know, every single guy in this league does, obviously, it's our lives. And to get back and really to do it safely. And I know the NHL did a great job with the NHLPA creating the safest way possible for us to do this in these hub cities. And, um, I believe that obviously the situation around the world with COVID is very serious, but they did an excellent job of, of making sure we're safe with testing, you know, every other day throughout this, the entire process, throughout the entire playoffs to try to keep it uh, centralized and uh, make sure nobody gets it. All right, so let's switch gears a little bit. Talk about your WHL history. So in 2012-13, you had a pretty impressive year. Uh, you were named the WHL's Western Conference first All-Star, the WHL's Rookie of the Year, earning the most assists as a rookie with 42, winning a WHL championship and being named the CHL top draft prospect. And then you were selected fourth overall by the Nashville Predators at the NHL draft. Let's break down that incredible year a little <laughs> bit. So um, as a rookie in the WHL in Portland, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it was interesting. Um, I came from the U.S. program, and mm -hmm. uh, I was debating on whether to go to college or WHL, and ultimately I went, you know, WHL to Portland. And yeah. um, right from right when I got there, I loved the coaching staff, Mike Johnson, Travis Green, the players that were there. They had, they had great veterans, and it was just a well-respected organization uh, that I wanted to be a part of. You know, that year did for me, for my development, was was huge. Uh, you know, playing uh, 70 games. I, I think it's 70 games, right? Uh, 70 yeah, games then, in the regular yeah, season. Been. Back then, yeah. Yeah. Um, don't make me feel old here. Um, <laughs> You're only a couple years uh, old. <laughs> playing all those games and, and playing that schedule, the travel schedule, really got me prepared for the NHL, uh, which is what was my goal. It was just to play one year and then play mm -hmm. the NHL. So, you know, then I went to Nashville, uh, had to you know, learn from great defensemen there uh, my first couple of years and uh, really did, uh, did a number on my development for sure. Um, and describe what winning the WHL championship was like against Edmonton. Oh, wow. Um, that was an awesome feeling. Awesome feeling. It was a hard-fought series, I remember. Um, we had a lot of confidence as a team. We just stuck to our game, really. You know, we had that 
uh, Leipzig, Patan, and Ratty line. I think they had mm. 100, you know, 120 <laughs> point season. And I think Ratty had 110 points in the regular season. And you know, we were just playing hockey. We were having fun doing it. Excited that, you know, my one year in the WHL, I got to win a, a championship. Unfortunately, yeah, came up one game short in the Memorial Cup against some pretty good players in McKinnon mm. and Drew and some of those guys. <laughs> uh, but the experience itself was, uh, was off the charts for me. And despite the season cancellation this year, the Winter Hawks had a really strong performance winning the Scotty Monroe this season. Um, I don't know if you're following it, but Edmonton also looked really strong heading into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Do you keep in touch with Portland still? And what would it have been like if those teams had made it to the final maybe again? Um, I kept in touch with Portland because my little brother played there after me. Right. So I was still following. Um, and I do still keep in touch now. You know, I still follow them all on social media. So I see how they're doing all the time. I see yeah. the rankings, you know, yeah. every week when the rankings come out, uh, CHL rankings. And, um, you know, they were first in the league, I believe, this year, playing great hockey. But that would have been interesting to see that again. I think I want to say what before I won, like two years before, it was Portland and Edmonton in the finals as well. And mm-hmm. I think Edmonton won. And then when I was there, we, we beat Edmonton. So a little bit of a right. rivalry going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it seems like those two teams are always, you know, some of the top teams in the WHL. Yeah, top competitors for sure. Okay, so we're going to switch gears a little bit here and talk about the uh, the happenings in the past few months in the Black Lives Matter movement. So, Seth, as a face of diversity in hockey, how have the last few months impacted you in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement? Well, I think it's impacted everybody. Um, you know, to see, you know, what we saw with some of the priest brutality going on and, uh, you know, it's it's not okay what we see and and how people are treated. Uh, and it's sad that not just African-American, but any person of color in, in this world feels that way walking down the street is, is not something that anybody wants, uh, I don't think. And so we, we need to work toward more of a common goal and an understanding, treat people with respect and treat people the same, no matter what they look like. In my sport, I, I feel like I have a responsibility to kids uh, of color and uh, diversity to grow the game, to make them understand that hockey is a great sport um, that you can play and not deal with, with racism. For me personally, I've never had to deal with racism growing up Mm -hmm. uh, in school, hockey, or any fashion of life. Uh, And I grew up in a household with, you know, an African-American dad and a white mom. Uh, So I'm mixed. And fortunately, I'm probably one of the very few that I've never dealt with that. So I'm very grateful for that. But I know a lot of people do. And uh, we need to get past that point of allowing that to happen and and take a stance against that and, and make real change, I think. So I know you said, even though you may not have faced it, um, through the years of your hockey development, how have things changed just even like from a world perspective since when you started to now? You see, you know, more and more African-American kids playing, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm a part of, uh, you know, the program that the NHL kind of did was the Hockey's for Everyone. Yep. Uh, so I'm the ambassador for my team. I've been, you know, here in Columbus for four years now. You know, about 30 of the 40 home games uh, will bring in kids of color or families of color that can't afford to come to the games or the kids can't afford to play hockey, but they love the game and they just want to see us play. Uh, and I'll meet and greet them after the games and just show them that it's a, it's a sport that you're welcomed in. And uh, I think that goes a long way uh, with a kid. And I think it's a great experience for them to come. There's starting to be more of that, I believe. There's starting to be more programs uh, in the league. You see the, you know, Akimalu started the, and Evander Kane are, are doing a great job right now with that program. And I think PK is starting a program as well that the whole league is going to be a part of and the NHL is going to be behind. So you see, you know, you see everyone really coming together and that's what it's all about. Exactly. And that, and that leads into my next question. Obviously, there is this group effort that's definitely starting to arise now. But where do you think hockey needs to go or, or what needs to change in addition to this? Do you have any other ideas for hockey to better support players from different backgrounds or ethnicities? Well, I think there's a lot of places you can go with that. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I think it's a very, compared to other sports, it's a very expensive sport to play. 
I think mm-hmm. that may be part of the problem as well. Um, you know, kids of, you know, that don't come from great backgrounds, it's hard for them to play hockey because how much skates cost, how much sticks cost now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the cost of travel, if you want to play at a high level, the co- you know, team dues, things like that. Mm -hmm. nobody can afford. I feel like that's a major issue, but I I also think that there are a lot of other issues um, that arise, you know, when a parent or, you know, sees an NHL player and a fan says something, you know, some racism toward a player in the NHL, they Mm -hmm. don't want their kid playing hockey now. Um, So it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors, but we can strive to make it, you know, strive for perfection and we can, you know, try to achieve greatness from our, uh, from our, all our efforts. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, This is obviously a brand new segment for us on the WHL podcast. So we really appreciate having a big star like you. Um, We wish you nothing but the best as you head into phase four of the Stanley Cup qualifiers. It's obviously very exciting. Uh, Thank you so much again for joining us. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Working against McKinnon. Jones goes down low behind the net is Ratty. Ratty back to Jones. Scores! Seth Jones! There's a big goal! Thank you to Seth Jones and the Columbus Blue Jackets for allowing us to have that conversation with him. Moving right along, we're staying in the Eastern Conference of the NHL, but moving to the Eastern Conference of the WHL with Brett Howden of the New York Rangers and formerly of the Moose Jaw Warriors. Old shot, save made off the bar, rebound, they score! Brett Howden! Hi, I'm speaking with New York Rangers forward Brett Howden. Brett, uh, how's it been getting back into New York and getting back with your teammates? Uh, it's been good. It's fun to see all the guys again, uh, obviously in a different nature this time. But uh, we're, all, uh, we're all excited to be back. We're excited to be back playing and uh, excited to get playoffs. Uh, you know, over the break, you guys were heading into the pause, one of the hottest teams in the NHL. Coming back to the, to the Rangers, do you guys still feel like you have that momentum that you had heading into the pause and you're going to use that into the series with Carolina? Yeah, for sure. I think, obviously, the way we ended the season is how we want to play. The way we were playing was, uh, you know, at the top of our game throughout the whole year. You know, really confident in our game, and we were confident in each other. I think that's huge when you can find confidence in each other every every night. Obviously, it goes a long way, but, you know, we all, we all are feeling really good. Glad to be back in it. Well, you've played 136 games now in the NHL. You're in your second full season. Where did you feel like you really started to get your confidence at the NHL level? I think it just comes over time, for sure. Obviously, there's lots of ups and downs during a season, but I think confidence just comes from work ethic. You know, the harder the work, the more you earn. And I just felt like I've been trying to work my hardest while I've been here and, and on the ice. Um, obviously, it's it's a big step up from, you know, when, when I came up from junior. So ever since then, I've been just, uh, you know, trying to, trying to play my game and trying to work hard and try and gain confidence off of that. Well, speaking of working hard, did you head back to, to Oak Bank, back home to Manitoba? Were you able to get on the ice or get in the gym? What was your, your pause? How did it look? And what did you get up to? Yeah, uh, so when I got back, um, obviously everything was shut down for everybody for the first little bit. And then uh, I was actually lucky. My brother uh, has a gym in his house, so we were able to train together um, while we couldn't go to the gym. And then uh, eventually the gym opened up and sort of the – uh, the rink so I was able to skate and work out pretty quick honestly after I got back uh, I was skating for a little while before I came back here to New York so it was nice to uh, you know kind of feel the ice and kind of get back into it before we started here. Well during that break you've had a, a tremendous start to your career not just in your juniors but also now to the NHL did you sit down and just think about you know some of the best memories you've had and is there a memory so far that sticks out to you as your your favorite hockey memory? I think winning World Juniors for sure. 
that was obviously very special. Uh, winning with your country, obviously a tournament that everybody watches uh, growing up around Christmas time. So being able to win that with that group of guys that we had, that was probably the best hockey memory I have. So getting back to the NHL here, what's it been like getting back on the ice with your team? Um, are you guys starting fresh over, like this is training camp all over again, or are you picking up right where you left off? It's a little different this time around for a training camp. Just coming back in, you know, some guys were in places where they could skate. Some guys were in places where they couldn't. Just depended on where you were. And obviously that's to no one's fault. Um, so it's a little bit different this time around. But the first little bit, obviously, is just more trying to get back into it. And everybody came back a little bit early before camp started so they could feel the ice. Um, but once we, you know, once we actually started training camp, we, we hit the ground running and and we've been we've been going really good here the last couple of weeks, and every day we've been feeling better and better, and you know working on our systems and things like that. But uh, ultimately, just trying to get back into battle mode and gear up. Well, you're heading to Toronto on Sunday. I've asked a few guys already. Uh, what do you bring into the bubble to keep you entertained during the time off? Oh, well, a few of us are playing some, you know, PS4, Xbox stuff like that uh, to you know, buy some time right now. Uh, I got a couple books that I got as well uh, to help pass the time. Yeah, I guess I guess that's really it. Now you're not bringing the mini sticks out to play in the hallways. Oh, not this time. <laughs> well, Brett, uh, thanks for taking time today. I wish you all the best in your run to the cup here, and uh, good luck. Awesome, thank you very much. Maxine Contois working in, plays it back in, front score! Right out, and it's 1-0 Canada, 48 seconds in. Brett Howden scored his first two goals of the tournament in the 8-0 win against Denmark. And he's gonna race thank you to the New York Rangers and Brett Howden for making time to have that conversation with us. Lastly, on this week's podcast, we have Liam Scholler. Scholler is a former Regina Pats defenseman who is currently pursuing his post-secondary education at the University of Manitoba while playing on the men's hockey team there. Hi, I'm here with former Regina Pat, Liam Scholler. Uh, he's a current University of Manitoba Bisons defenseman. Liam, uh, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. I mean, uh, right now, obviously, it's a weird time, but uh, things are kind of starting to look up in Manitoba. I think there wasn't very many cases to begin with of COVID, so I'm just trying to stay in shape and busy working. So speaking of that, what are you doing to stay in shape, and and what's what are you doing for your summer job? For myself, we actually have, uh, through U of M, we have these Zoom workouts that we've been doing, and I also work out with some buddies that I used to play with. And I also have a, a squat rack at my house and some other weights, so I take advantage of that. And I've been going on lots of runs. I, I used to run a lot, but then stopped for a little while, and now I'm getting back into it, so happy with that. And for work, I'm, I'm actually doing some construction stuff right now, just on the side, and then Hopefully when everything gets a little bit better, hockey camps will start going because I've been, I've been doing hockey camps for the past few years. But other than that, just trying to stay cool right now because it's really hot here. Liam, this is your first year of U Sports hockey. What was that transition like for you going from a full-time Western Hockey League player to a full-time student as well as a hockey player? Yeah, it's, it's weird being in class with uh, younger kids. Uh, you kind of get used to that. And that's, that's all university or with older people. There's a variety of ages. But I think the... The biggest difference is obviously the, the schedule and the games, right? You're not playing, what is it, 68 games? I was always 72 when I was there, 68 for one year. But the biggest difference has to be the schedule. You have a lot more free time than you think in school. There's a lot of time to do schoolwork, and there's actually a lot of dedication you have to put into the sport as well. It's not some joke that maybe some people think it to be. You're, you're at the rink, you're, at, you're in the gym every day, and it's a regular grind every day. 
Yeah, U-Sports hockey is no joke at all. There's guys that go every single year. I mean, just look at last season with Luke Phillips signing an NHL deal. Uh, these are incredibly talented players who take advantage of the scholarship, but also playing hockey at a high level. For yourself, you know, an unusual route, I would say, for, for most Canadian kids. You're from Manitoba, a second-round pick to the Regina Pats, but you, you opted to play high school hockey in Minnesota at Shattuck St. Mary's. What went into that decision for you, and what was your thinking uh, after the draft and that's uh, what they're now calling under 18 or under 16 year before you could start your junior career? I think Shattuck was a, a really good experience for me. It really helped mature me and kind of shaped me into the person I am. But ultimately, once I got going and played uh, half a year in the USHL, I just I figured it was best for me to come back to Canada and playing for John, Dave, and Brad. And the Pats was, was an awesome opportunity for me, and I, I couldn't pass it up at that point. What was that transition like going from the USHL to the Western Hockey League? Was was it a transition that you felt was a, an easy jump for yourself, or did you have some some highs and the lows that go with the Western Hockey League, as we all know? You know, some highs and some lows. It's not an easy transition, obviously. It's a little bit more physical, I'd say. Comparable players, like USHL is a really good league as well, but the dub a little bit more mature. There's a lot more, like there's higher caliber players of the best, I'd say. And it was a little, little took a little to get used to that. But once you kind of get into your, the swing of things and get comfortable with the organization and the city and the travel, things kind of start to get a little easier and you get your first year under your belt. But other than that, I mean, my time in Regina was amazing. You were a four-year Pats. Uh, you got to play in, in the Memorial Cup. What was that experience like for you being on that team? Unfortunately, you guys didn't, you didn't do what you wanted to do in the playoffs that season because you had arguably the hardest conference playoff matchups in the history of the Western Hockey League, but you're still able to go to the, the Memorial Cup. And what was that experience like, not just going to the Memorial Cup, but also that layoff that you had in between? I'd say that layoff was probably the hardest, whatever, 40 days ever. Like we were in the gym, we were on the ice multiple times a day. It was fitness, 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 because you have to stay in shape, right? You got to stay in game shape. And we were doing everything we could. We were scrimmaging in the gym and we were trying to stay busy the best we could, right? Because that's 40 days that you got to see what other teams are doing. They're still playing. They're kind of getting on a roll, making a push. And then we're kind of sitting around, but we have to, we have to work hard. But it was probably one of the hardest 40 days ever. Again, you played four years with the Pats. You were an assistant captain in your last season. When did you start to think about Canadian University and taking advantage of your WHL scholarship? I've always been a school person. I, I took classes while I was in Regina. So I would say for young kids, if you have the opportunity to take classes and you're unsure if you're going to go play pro or play university hockey, I would say take a couple classes, get them under your belt, because that goes a long way as a prerequisite, or it just helps to get a few credits under your belt. But other than that, I mean, for young kids, I would just say enjoy it, really. Yeah, it goes by a lot quicker than you think when you get your first oh, yeah. training camp at, at 15, and then your, your last training camp when you're 20. You can't believe how quick the time went by. Yeah. I would, I 100% agree with you. I mean, my last year, it felt like I, would, I could remember the first time I played a game and it's just like, it flashed before your eyes, right? So you got to embrace everything and every opportunity you get. Well, let's talk about that. What, where was your favorite place to play outside of Regina in the Western League? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't score many goals, but I scored most of my goals in Prince Albert. So probably Prince Albert, but I mean, as far as arenas go, obviously Edmonton was pretty immaculate. That arena is pretty incredible. So that was probably my favorite place to play. I like the city a lot too. So. Now you are in university. Uh, you're done your first year. Uh, this year for you, did you take general studies or did you know what you wanted to do going into the University of Manitoba? 
Well, when I first got there, I knew right away my goal was to get into Asper School of Business and I just got accepted. So I'm looking forward to starting a new new part there in the School of Business. And uh, I have a decent amount of classes already. I took some of the harder ones. So I'm just hoping to stay on track and ultimately uh, finish with something in business. I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to major and minor in, but I'll figure that out as, as time goes on here. As you continue through your university career, are your ambitions after you've got your degree to continue and play pro hockey, or do you plan on getting into business and starting your career, uh, your professional career? Well, I mean, I love hockey, so if that opportunity would present itself, I would 100% take that opportunity up. But right now, I'm just going to focus on school and hockey and where I'm at right now, and whatever happens from there, I'll, I'll run with it. Liam, again, you, you were a, a leader on your team in the Western League. Uh, your coach selected you uh, to be the representative for the University of Manitoba. Obviously, you've displayed leadership characteristics throughout your career. For a young player who's coming into the Western Hockey League, whether it be at 16 or 17, what advice would you have for them to better prepare them for what they can expect and, and to help them excel once they are in the league? I'd say once you're in the league, just honestly, it's it's kind of cheesy to say, but just work hard every day. Come to work, come to play, come to work out, come to listen, come to get better. Learn from the older guys, learn from your coaches. You you really have to take it all in. And I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. And for some guys, obviously it does if you're a special player. But I would say just be patient with yourself and realize that it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take you a little while maybe to come into your own and figure out what kind of player you're going to be. But once you do, then you'll be fine. But just I'd say for young guys, just don't sweat it. Stay calm and relaxed. Absolutely. I mean, I know for myself being around the guys that I was around when I was in the league, uh, the best players were the hardest workers. And if you can understand those daily habits at 16 and 17, it's going to be a huge help once you're 18 and 19 and working towards that NHL contract or that professional tryout even for some players. Well, to end it off here, what was your favorite memory from playing in the league? And it doesn't have to be on the ice. It could be off the ice as well. Uh, Maybe a community event. Gosh. Well, I mean, Memorial Cup was a crazy experience, obviously, but ultimately just being around the guys, like the long bus trips, as everyone says, everyone that's been in the league knows all about that. And, uh, you get to have some fun, and I, I, I can't pinpoint one thing I'd really have to think about it. But, I mean, the bus trips and just being around the guys all the time every day is, is, was really special, and it's something I'll, I'll always remember. Well, thank you again so much for doing this. Uh, best of luck this, this summer, and good luck once the season starts. Uh, for you guys next year as well as school for yourself. Thank you very much, sir. That's our show for this week. A big thank you to the Columbus Blue Jackets and Seth Jones, the New York Rangers and Brett Howden, the University of Manitoba and Liam Scholler, as well as Lauren Zandi. For everything WHL, check out whl.ca as well as our Twitter handle, at the WHL. I'm Zach Otter, and thanks for listening to another edition of the WHL Podcast. (laughs) 